All right, here we are with Crossing the Axis. We are lucky enough today to be here with Jennifer O'Brien. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for coming. Crossing the Axis is the podcast where we talk to people about the business behind video production, corporate and commercial video production, and about what it takes to get to the next level, whether or not the next level is going to a million dollars in revenue or $2 million in revenue or getting that national TV spot. It's the business behind the business that so often makes the difference. I'm Max Kaiser, uh, industry veteran, and also now making uh, the, the software uh, pipeline, uh, video production management software at videopipeline.io. Uh, and this is our podcast. And as I said, today, we've got Jennifer and Jennifer is a longtime producer for a lot of big up you know what i'll let jennifer introduce herself jennifer go ahead <laughs> yeah so for 10 years i've been working in the seattle market for clients like microsoft aws starbucks expedia fortune 500 companies um and not only was i a producer but i also was a creative director and sales for a prominent company located out there in redmond washington <laughs> Um, and, you know, we were doing about $2 million in sales and I really was, played an active role in growing the business from just under 1 million to just over 2 million. That's awesome. Uh, and that's exactly where a lot of our audience finds themselves is trying to either get to that 1 million or climb up to that 2 million. Uh, cause you can really plateau out, um, in this business today, top today's topic, uh, actually Jennifer was kind enough to provide it, uh, talking about that low hanging fruit. We talk about, you know, a lot of times in these podcasts, we talk about what does it take to get that big client or what does it take to lock down that fortune 500 new client? But so often uh, it's that low hanging fruit that can actually be the underbelly that grows your company to those, to those levels. So um, Jennifer kind of gave us that idea and uh, we're going after it because she is absolutely right. Uh, Jennifer, what are, when you think of lowest hanging fruit, what, what compromises, what comprises that, uh, that group of lowest hanging fruit? Who's in there? Yeah. When I consult with companies, this is always my biggest, uh, topic because as you're growing your business, you know, a lot of people who are starting a company, they're actually a DP or they're actually a producer and they're starting their company and they're working their way through their company but you're still playing other roles within your company. So you're not a full-time salesperson for your business. That means you need to limit the amount of time. Well, your time is limited by nature to how much time you have to do sales activities. And capturing a large Fortune 500 company can sometimes you know, take a year or more to go through several rounds of bidding and building trust and networking in order to get that first deal. So low-hanging fruit are just easier pickings, right? Things that, that can happen or turn around in a week or two weeks where you can be kicking off much more quickly. Um, and I think one of the biggest areas that, that people miss is tracking their customers through LinkedIn to see when they change companies. So if I'm working with so-and-so at Microsoft and they decide to go to Google, I now have a contact at Google and I'm going to want to definitely follow up with them uh, with a congratulations on their move to Google. And then with a request for a meeting, you know, six to eight weeks after their transition, that is a great way to potentially open up a new client and a new line of business while also getting introduced to their replacement within the current team you are working with. 
That is awesome. That's, that's very true. I can't tell you the number of times that happened to me, especially as people change seats all the time. Um, and LinkedIn is, as you say, a, a, a great place to, to track that. Um, what about, uh, clients when they sort of start going inactive on you and, 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 you know, trying to stay up to date with those inactive folks and not get too discouraged about them being inactive? Yeah, hundred percent. When I, uh, first got into sales, I really felt like I was just pestering people. You know, as my, I, my mentor was just telling me, email them again, email them again. And in, it, it took me going to a conference and hearing someone speak and say that the average sale takes approximately 18 points of contact. So, you know, you have to, you know, get back in their line, line sight lines and, uh, you know, how's it going? Catch up emails, sending them little notes, things like if you know that their kids are in baseball and there's a funny baseball thing, you know, sending people these kinds of things, these kinds of sales activities that build relationships that tell people that you know who they are and that you're here for them, you know, as a person, not just as a client. What, what about, what about sharing your work with them and so forth? Like what, what, do you, yes. How often do you want to share work with them? What stage of work do you want to share with them? Uh, a newsletter is great. Not everybody will open it, but they will see that you sent one. Um, Insta posts are great, but not everybody's on your Insta. So I really think LinkedIn posting is a great way to reach a lot of your clients in a centralized location. Make sure you're friending all of your clients on LinkedIn. That is really where they go to get business news. So if you've shot something or done something cool, um, a newsletter is great. LinkedIn posting is great. Um, but you want to keep your name in front of them for when that right opportunity arises. And almost every, we would send a newsletter about once a quarter. Uh, again, they take time to prepare and they take time to send. Uh, streamlining that the best that you can. Keep it really simple. Just yeah. focus on one or two topics. Try to include some value. What did you learn from the project? What next, you know, what best practices made it such a success, um, those kinds of things. I always kind of found an interesting thing. And I think I, I, I often had some folks saying, don't, don't do this, but I swear it worked. And that was showing clients stuff, uh, assuming I had the clearance to do it, showing clients stuff that was in progress. If I knew it was really in their line of work. In other words, I always found that if it was a lawyer's if I was working on a lawyer video and I had like three other ex clients or not ex, but past clients that were lawyers, I could take a little bit of what I was working on and sort of show it to them almost while it was still being worked on and say, Hey, look at this cool stuff we just shot. And something about letting them under the sort of kimono as it were. And it, it just felt very intimate. And, and, and I always got a response from them. Oh, that's cool. Thanks, Max, for sending that or, or whatever, you know, whereas they knew it wasn't something I would put on any of the, you know, Facebook or anything that I really had thought of it just for them. And I, I often had a lot of, lot of luck with that. Yeah, absolutely. Clients who want to see something that looks pretty much exactly like what they want, yep. or they want to know that they're hiring someone with some expertise. So for example, I really found my niche in technology and like AI and data science specifically. And anytime I would compete against another vendor who didn't have a bunch of samples that were AI or data science related, we would win over them every time. Absolutely. And there's a great example of low hanging fruit, low hanging fruit being the niche that you're starting to develop, which 
kind of almost always happens inadvertently. <laughs> um, yes. You know, that you, like we strangely got into the niche of making um, rights videos for Muslims. Um, and, and then all of a sudden we were like, everybody in the Muslim community across the country and even around the world was coming to our company to help them make videos about any aspect of, of Muslim tolerance. Um, yeah, because there's a comfortability and a trust that they don't have yep. to explain to you or yep. have six meetings to get you up to speed. They know that you're going to understand the terminology and phrasing, and it makes a huge difference in a sale. Absolutely. And you start to understand what's out there and what are the techniques people are already using and how you can get ahead of that. Cause everybody wants their video to both be sort of in line with the others, but also a few steps ahead, something new in it and so forth. Yeah. And another thing with sharing current work with inactive clients is yep. also to say, Hey, I ha also have an idea for you and just pitching, just pitch. even if the pitch goes nowhere, the fact that you thought of them, took the time and pitched something gets their ideas and wheels turning. Yep. Absolutely. So, okay. So, so you, how do you keep track of all this stuff, Jennifer? Do you use a CRM? What or what? what when do you, when is the right time to bring on a CRM? That kind of thing, a customer retention management system. It's um, like HubSpot or any of these. You know, throughout these acronyms like CRM, expecting everyone knows it, but but any kind of customer yeah, retention, cu customer system. relationship management. There you go, system. customer relationship. I don't even know what that. <laughs> no worries, um, and. Uh, what I like to, what I, the phrase I you'd like to use is you need to have a stage appropriate CRM. Yeah. So if you are just starting out and you are a one man band or a two person band, you can use Excel spreadsheets to create a CRM and just simply put in all the information you need for your clients, their titles, where they're working and uh, a little bit of information about the, of what you know about them. Yep. Once you get to the next level, there are some affordable CRMs out there. I used to use a program called Nimble. Um, it was about $25 per person per month. And it had a LinkedIn feature so that we could look at LinkedIn through our CRM system to see if our records were matching what was current on people's LinkedIn pages. Um, none of them are perfect. They're all a little bit wonky. Like, I think that's part of the reason why Max is trying to make <laughs> I will a, get that problem industry fixed. solution, which would be amazing. And I think <laughs> pipeline, you know, can be a CRM as well. Yep. Um, and then it just goes up in pricing, the bigger that you get and the more clients you're trying to manage and the more automation you want right. to put into your sales process. Right. Yeah. We found HubSpot to be pretty amazing for free right out of the, out of the gate. Um, they have a pretty generous free offering uh, that you can get in on. Um, and, and we use that for free for like almost a year, I, I feel like before we had to actually start paying. And then sadly it goes up like astronomically. So you may have to switch from it, but in the beginning HubSpot was just a good place to, once you're a little past the, um, as you say, Jennifer, past the Excel spreadsheet, um, that's a pretty, also a pretty ubiquitous one, but they, they just sort of help. But I, I love the idea that you're saying like, you probably don't need to jump into it if, if you only have like 10 or 15 companies you're working with on a regular basis, because it's just going to overwhelm you. But just yeah. something, some kind. And I think the most important thing is to note when you've contacted someone. So when you're making a sales connection, make sure to go back to your CRM and note the date and what was discussed 
so that the next time you're looking for someone to contact, you've got an hour to do sales, you can go to your sheet and say, wow, I haven't contacted this person in three months. We last spoke about this conference and you can follow up and say, hey, how was the conference? So what about when, when's the right time to, uh, and, and we had a podcast about this uh, a little while ago about how to go about it, but when is the right time to start looking for help with sales and with, with business development? I think, uh, again, stage appropriate phasing is the way to go. So in the beginning, hiring an assistant, uh, that is a sort of a, someone who wants to get into the industry, maybe has a little bit experience just to help you do the data entry side is going to be really helpful. You can just CC them on all your emails and have them going in and automatically updating your documents. Um, they can do that remotely for not a lot of money. Then kind of thinking about when, when you're ready to hire a salesperson, because most of us don't get into the industry to be a salesperson or to just do business development. And that's usually not where people's passion lies. So if that's not your passion, at some point you will want to hire somebody who does do that professionally. It's super niche and it's very expensive. So, you know, when you're ready to go from 1 million to 3 million, that's when you need to uh, find the money to bring someone on. Yep. And again, as I said, we we have that entire podcast dedicated to just that question of how to how to begin that process and who's the right person. So do take a listen to that. Um, so lastly, uh, talking about referrals, like that's kind of one of the most awesome things that happens, of course, is when you get a call from someone, they say, Hey, I was talking to my friend, Bob, and he mentioned that, uh, that, that you folks do this kind of work. What, what's the right way to, to optimize your chances of landing that referral? Yeah. So first off, you've got to request referrals. 100% you need to ask the people you work with if there's anyone that they can refer you to that would benefit from your services. Referral is the number one way that you're going to get low-hanging fruit, and it's going to be the number one way to have clients just walking right through the door without doing any sales work at all. So you have to request the referral. How, how do you do that? What, how do you do that request? What do you say? What's oh, the... usually I'll, you know, when I'm wrapping up a project or we're getting close to a final edit, I'll just say, hey, you know, it's been really great working with your team. Is there anyone else on your team that makes videos or on like an adjacent team that you could introduce us to? Um, we'd love to further our reach within your org. And how did, so, so you're talking about within an organization, uh, was that typically what happened or was it referral from just, you know, just any other business owner or whomever that they might know? I, I think client to client referral is always the best. So someone who's worked with you and they are happy with the work and they're telling their colleagues, you know, these are the guys I used, look at the cool video, super happy. Because what happens is when that referral contacts you, there's no competition. There's yep. no competitive bidding. They just, they want you because they trust you based on that referral. But I love that idea of the inter-organization referral. And again, I, I tend to think of referral as like, you know, Bob who owns company A is referring me to company B, a friend of his he plays poker with. But you, you're also talking about this inter-organization. And that's really true when you start working with these large organizations, Amazon, Microsoft, so forth. I mean, they're just just tons and tons of opportunity right within that within 
organizations you wouldn't even think of. We wound up doing so much, uh, so many uh, PR and hiring videos for Amazon at one point that we we never thought, you know, we thought we were doing retail for them. We wind up doing, you know, ads about we're hiring. Um, and oh, so you- oh, 100%. And the HR is a great example. So if I'm working with a marketing team uh, in a, maybe in a smaller company, I might say, or a medium-sized company, I might say, you know, wow, it's been great working with your marketing org, would love to, you know, continue on. But did you know that we've been making a lot of videos in the HR with HR departments, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden you've prompted a referral to their HR department. They may not want to meet with you right away, but it's another contact to continue to, to push and you can show them the work that you've done. And again, you want to if you're going to ask for those referrals, ask specifically for the things that you do have samples for. So it's a quick, here's my work. It's, this is the, these are the metrics if you have any. Um, and so often, yeah. So often the doors originally opened with marketing and I'm talking about smaller, like say it's a, a bank chain, right? The doors open by the marketing department because they're, they're used to hiring video people and so forth. But the other departments like Pierre, they dream of having a video. They don't have any idea how to approach it. They, they, they really do. And so getting that, as you say, Jennifer saying, Hey, we'd love to go pitch in front of them. I found that to be really work. Like they would be like so excited and suddenly, and they honestly wouldn't be looking around very much. You already got the referral from internal in the organization. And suddenly they're like, Hey, let's carve out that 10,000 bucks in the budget um, for, you know, next quarter. Um, and, and, and you're absolutely right. It was, it, it, it's kind of amazing the way you can burrow into these organizations and then just start spreading. We had organizations that we were doing videos for five or six different departments by the end of the, uh, you know, by the end of the time with them. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about low hanging fruit is a lot of times the jobs aren't the glossy, you know, it's quite hard to get those, you know, half a million dollar budgets or whatever. Right. But talking head videos, uh, technology explainer videos, animated explainer videos, you know, when you present them and you show them how affordable it can be, even though, you know, your price is over 10,000, they oftentimes just, you know, thought that it would be more than that, or you don't know what their, what their blocker is until you have that conversation. But yeah, getting, getting in front of them with that, those are the low hang, the talking heads and the technology, you know, how to videos, they're low hanging fruit. Everybody needs them. Everybody wants them. They just need someone to make it easy for them. And they want somebody who they don't have to explain the whole, you know, backlog of everything. So if you can show them your experience with it, it's, it can be a pretty easy in. Absolutely. And all of it's just building trust to get to that higher level production. We saw it again and again, where we started doing, you know, straightforward stuff, but we always would put a little extra sugar in there and by and by over the years, we wind up doing the high, the high end stuff because the trust was there and they saw that we had the capability. I think the challenge was reminding them that we did have the capability and the uh, creative ability to do the higher end stuff all the time, never stopping saying. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's, that's critical. Um, and before we jump off today, I do also yeah. want to mention the, the low, another bit of low hanging fruit is with the client you're already working with. So if you land a new client, you you bid out a project, you're working on that project. As you get towards the end of that project, if things are feeling good, clients happy, you can always say, Hey, have you considered making, taking what this cool thing we're making and turning it into a one minute spot and a social spot and a five second piece and a LinkedIn specific piece and like all these different things. 
and putting together social packages uh, for content, you know, webinars included, uh, just remixing what you've already made into other things. A lot of times they'll say, well, we've already spent 12,000 and we're really happy with what we have. So yeah, let's spend five more thousand and make six more products. Yeah. The funny thing is, is often the way the marketing department looks at it as a per, as a dollars per video. So you may actually be lowering if, if they were looking at, well, we got one video for $12,000 and suddenly they're getting six videos for 15 it looks like, oh, wow, we're geniuses. We're getting videos for two and a half thousand bucks each. And, and I can't tell you how often that was the thinking that at the end of the day pervaded um, was a sort of per dollar. Of course, we know in the, in the industry, that's not the way it works at all. But, but, but in the same way, the first question they'll ask you is, well, what is the cost of a video? Which, of course, is an impossible thing to answer. <laughs> yeah. At the end of it, if you can actually provide more deliverables per dollar, they see that as a huge win upstairs for them. Totally. And the last thing I'll say about that is just that um, the client's who I have sold that to on their next jobs, they yeah. order it right from the get-go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, because they're able to say, geez, we're getting, we're getting so much for this one, you know, this one, yeah, arguably this, this price isn't nothing, but look how many parks we're getting for the end of it. And so you're absolutely right. Well, thank you, Jennifer. That was, that's wonderful. And I, I am sure it's going to be super duper helpful for everyone listening and reminding them that it doesn't have to be the giant sail in the sky today, uh, but rather it can be those small things that just add up. Anything else you want to add before we leave? Um, no, I just want, I, I think the one thing I would add is whether you are a freelancer or you are a legit, you know, I have employees kind of business, we're all a business. And everyone should be employing these sales techniques and getting this information um, because there really is no such thing as freelancing. We're all our own individual businesses and we're all hiring people to work with us on jobs. Yep. So taking this perspective and, and having that paradigm shift and setting aside time for sales is really important to every person in our industry. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people just I, I think I got, I got, I would always get a little frustrated when people, when business itself was sort of a bad word almost amongst, you know, the, the, the creative elements. And I just, you know, God, I'd be like those, they're hand in hand, man. There's, there's, and all you have to do is like, I, I actually produced a feature film and there was more business in that than I ever had doing corporate and commercial. And, and so people seem to think there's some horizon where the business part just goes away. No, you got to embrace the business. Part. Yeah. And to add to that, you can never stop selling when the yep. train gets going and you're super busy because you're working all the time. That's because your sales is working. If you yeah. stop doing sales and you only focus on the work, you're going to run out of work. So yeah, never stop selling. Never stop selling. Embrace it and you know, believe in believe in your work and and that people will want your work and want to share it and 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 be a part of what you're doing. So well, thanks again so much, Jennifer. Really appreciate cool. it. Jennifer O'Brien, our guest today. And uh, this has been Crossing the Axis from Pipeline at videopipeline.io. And we look forward to having you back again next week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.